Welcome to TA1. Everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson. And the gang's all here. I got uh, Stevie in my lap, being a uh, springtime bird, I think. Running all over the house, which she normally doesn't do. And Jimmy, sitting on my shoulder, being uh, lovingly aggressive. She likes to give little nips. And sometimes they're more than little nips. Anyway, I don't have that much to say tonight. We'll get this out. Plus, this is a long, actually one of our longer episodes. So, you might want to save this for a long workout. But, um, you know, it was fun. It was worth it. And I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, especially if you're a little bit of a romantic. So, um, that's it. Let's go. Go fast. Take chances. And have fun. And thanks for listening. Hi, Randy. Hey, how are you? Great. How are you? Good. It worked out good. Skype already, I already had you in Skype. I didn't even have to dial the number. Oh, perfect. Yeah, just click and go. Yep, I think from our last chat. Yeah, awesome. So, so is the guy there? Yep, Earl's right here. Hi, Randy. Hey, now remember, this is an audio podcast, so you got to talk once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just nod and shake my head. Okay, well, if you shake your head, that's fine. We can hear the rocks. <laughs> so, um, okay, I'm going to start with the most important question. Okay. So, are we recording yet? Of course, we're recording. Oh, okay. <laughs> we got to get all this mindless banter. Yeah. So, Emily. Yes. Th- this is actually for you. So, after you get married, are you going to be known as Emily Earl? That's a good question. Um, probably not. Much to probably everyone's disappointment. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's been a lot of discussion about initials and last names and all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um, pretty funny because when Paulette and I got married, we literally had never even thought about it till the. Uh, I, gal who married us said what name are you going to put on the marriage certificate oh yeah <laughs> and, yeah and, and to me it was i mean it's like well why would why would you change your name uh-huh so okay but maybe unofficially we can call you emily earl you you can call me anything you want randy <laughs> all right just as long as i call <laughs> mm-hmm. keep calling yeah Okay, so okay, here, here this one's for Earl, and then then you can just after that you can decide who who answers. So, um, what where was your first date that didn't involve a race or a workout? Ooh, good, great question. So I don't I don't know that I don't know to be honest with you I don't know that have you ever had one. Yeah. So uh, we, do, we do normal people things sometimes. We do do some normal people things, but let's call it probably as close to normal for us. Is so after we just kind of 
started dating, and we were still in St. Louis, and I was in Albert Lee. And she came up to Albert Lee for Easter weekend. And um, we did maybe do a bike ride or a run on for several hours on both days of Saturday and Sunday, but it was probably the most kind of like first informal get together that wasn't technically like related around a race or something like that. And we went for a pontoon boat ride. We went for a pontoon boat ride in Minnesota in April with winter coats and hats. (laughs) And uh, that's what you do in Minnesota. It's like as soon as the ice, you don't even have to wait for the ice to come all the way off. You just put the boat in and go for a ride. Yeah. So that was probably the first like normal person somewhat date for us, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we're normal. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Paulette and I's first date was a bike ride that I crashed her at, so it's perfectly oh, normal to me. So, so polite. Yeah, you cr- not on purpose. You crashed her, or you crashed yourself. No, I crashed her. Oh, so, man. But she was, she was pretty new at riding, so, uh, you know, six months later, she wouldn't have, she wouldn't have crashed in the same circumstances, so. Um, She's a champ, so, though. Good for yeah, her. yeah. So okay, I just I'm just being nosy. But did you guys meet at a race? We did. We did. Yeah. Uh, this was in 2012, I think. Yeah, we're in the summer of 2012, and you know our friend Andre. Mm-hmm. Yep. So back then, Wadali was running two teams. We were sending a team to North Dakota to do uh, a race, and then there was another race that weekend in uh, was Illinois. Jerry Vogler's race in Illinois. Thunder Rolls. Thunder Rolls. So Andre and Emily had met that summer at an orienteering event event in what Kansas City? Yeah, Kansas, or it was an adventure race in Kansas. Oh, okay. So then Andre and I, Andre's like, I know this girl, she'll race with us. And I'm like, all right. So that's where Emily and I first met. So it had been the summer of 2012 doing a 24-hour adventure. Yep. But I, cool. but I knew about Earl before that race, and I carpooled with my future teammates on Alpine Shop and up to the, to the race HQ and – the whole time they're like, "Oh, Earl's the best. You're just gonna have such a great time racing with him. He just totally gets it. And he's such a great teammate." And uh, and he was like, I think my headlight died, and something, a couple other things went wrong, and we just like kept pushing and had a great race. So yeah, it was a good start. Yeah. So how long after you raced were you doing more than racing? Uh. Probably, like, do you mean how long since we met did we start dating? Yeah. Um, well, so we met officially in 2012, and then um, we did C to C, what was that, 2015? Yep. Yeah, it was in March of 2015. 
Um, and this, so the C to C that year, that was my first multi-day adventure race. Yep. And I just kind of like had it in my head. You know, I'd known Earl as a friend for several years and a teammate. And I just knew that he had a lot of great multi-day experience. And um, I just kind of had it in my head, like, if I am ever going to do a multi-day race, I really want Earl to be on that team that I do my first one because I just know that he has all this great experience and he's, you know, really helpful at sharing all of that. And um, I just felt like he would be a great person to, like, kind of shepherd me through. Um, so we uh, kind of signed up. It was a little bit kind of we had multiple rosters kind of going, but we ended up with racing with um, Joe Brodigam and Jeff Woods and Britt Mason as a super team. We had a – officially it was a three-person and a two-person on the roster, but we just raced as a five the whole time. Um, and we had a great experience. It was like just – I don't know. It was, we just had a lot of like funny moments from that – race that we still think about and the three of them were great teammates um and kind of after we got done with the race we were hanging at the finish line um Britt was like are you she asked me she's like are you an Earl dating and I was like no, no. we're not <laughs> and she's like yeah I really think you are <laughs> um so she yeah it was just like kind of the whole that those three kind of got to be there at the start of it all, I guess. Um, so after that, we were just trying to figure out like, is, you know, is this something that we want to do and, you know, long distance and just kind of a lot of logistics to get through. But um, now we're both here in St. Louis. So um, kind of, it all, it all works out. Yeah. So well, that's cool. Because that was in March of 2015, and I then I moved here in July of 2015. So like within four months. Yeah, and then we went and did Cowboy Tough then, like a week later. Yeah, so <laughs> I moved all my I moved all my stuff. I cleaned everything out of my house in Minnesota, kind of purged, and then the stuff I needed I moved down here. And when I packed, I packed basically what I needed to go to Cowboy Tough in my truck, and then everything else went in a U-Haul. So I brought everything down here, put it in the house, and then we left for uh, Wyoming. And then moved into the house and we got back. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was a month. <laughs> so, well, I, the funny thing is that we we know the audience that listens to this and everybody that's listening is like, yeah, well, that sounds normal. Great. <laughs> so. Yeah. So. Yeah, and both, well, I mean, both the race experiences were just, I mean, were, they were great. So it yeah. was, you know, kind of nice to have those um, teams and locations to look forward to. Yeah, well, that's cool. So um, what do you think would have happened if you'd had a bad race at C to C? Well, you probably were, were where you were at. It was obvious to everybody else by then, and it probably wouldn't have mattered. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, it's hard to say. Um, 
What do you think? <laughs> well, I guess here's the deal. is like, what do you define as a bad race? Right. Like, yeah. If we would have come in last, but of all the other circumstances that took place. Like, we're still the same people. We're still the same people. Yeah. Yeah. Or we could have we could have finished first and not like each other at all at the end of the race, and then the outcome would be definitely different. Mm-hmm. But I think that I mean we knew each other pretty well going into it, and um, I guess I was kind of fun employed in uh, fall of two thousand. 14. So Andre and I made several trips down to St. Louis to do a couple of adventure races, to do some orienteering stuff. And so we were hanging out with Emily and the Sonas. And so, and we actually stayed at Emily's place a couple of times. So it's like, we've gotten to know each other pretty good outside of just meeting at a race at a pre-race and awards banquet prior to going to CDC. So it's like, I think we both knew that we'd be good. And this is race teammates. And then it just kind of matured from there. Mm -hmm. And then I had to get approval from uh, Earl's dog. So once that box was checked, that was like my... Yeah, that's a pretty pretty important (laughs) one to check because it's two or nothing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, well, see, I'm I'm sitting here laughing because I met Paul at at a bike race you know, she lived a hundred miles away, not quite as far, and I had to get she. I had to get um, checked out by her cat and her niece. Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so it's like I'm like, yeah, you you guys will be good. Work for us. So yeah. You know, <laughs> it's it's um, yeah. I'm just having a good time listening to this. So um, so when's the big day? Have you set a date? Yeah, uh, September seventh, um, this of this year. Um, actually, so we're getting married in Duluth, Minnesota, which is my hometown, um, and we're actually going up there this weekend to kind of do a recon weekend with both of our uh, sets of parents. So yeah, um, it'll be yeah. We're just looking forward to it, and it's kind of fun, like especially with our race director planning experience um like those same types of skills go into planning a wedding um, <laughs> except it's a little bit more fun because you don't have like 300 other people um, well yeah actually you do it's called it's called the audience well yeah that's true but we're i mean we're not having we're, anything we're, that big we narrow that down to the, a, a smaller group so they're easier to potentially manage right yeah <laughs> yeah And then do you have a multi-day adventure planned for a honeymoon? No. So that was, we just spent all of our our vacation this year in God's zone. So So, um, that's like, I mean, we didn't, we didn't plan like God's zone and the wedding and getting engaged like as related events. They just happened to fall all in the same year. Yeah. Um, But you know, and you have the opportunity to go visit New Zealand and do a race like God's own. Like, doesn't really matter <laughs> what else yeah. is happening. Like, you just re- work really hard to make it happen. So, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, because I mean, we basically signed up for God's own in 
June or July of last summer. Yeah. Race in March. So. And then, okay, so one more question, and then we're gonna then we're gonna get to the racing. And then sure. in, in the in the introduction, I'll tell people that they if they want to skip the mushy part, they can go to. Right. Yeah. This is probably where it's for most in the race. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This, I don't know. This is a, I don't know. This is kind of a weird question, but why did you decide it was time to get married? Um, That's a really good question. I feel like, um, well, it's like, it's different for everybody. You know, some people are like, that's their goal in life is to uh, get married. And um, that wasn't really the case for either of us. Like we just kind of, I guess I'm, I'm, I won't speak for you. I'll speak for me that it's just like, you know, something you want to do when it's right and not because to check a box, I guess. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I just feel like our relationship has gotten like, you know, through adventure racing and through like getting to travel to a lot of really cool places. Um, it's just really hung in there and gotten stronger and, um, just been really meaningful. Um, so not really like, I don't think there's any like trigger or any like, you know, Oh, we've got to save money on our taxes. So like, let's get married. Like nothing really like that. Um, yeah. But I just think it's pretty organic and, um, like, pretty good. Yeah. It just felt right. It did. Yeah. I don't know. Do you, I don't I put any words in your mouth. I just want to – I mean, I basically am on pretty much the same – on the same page as Emily. And I guess just to take a, a – you know, one step further is that, you know, I guess um, family is very important to us. And, you know, both of, us, both of us have grandparents that celebrated 60-plus years of marriage. My parents have been married a little over 50 years, and Emily's parents, and I think it's just you know, just a very important family value as well. And um, I just, it's the right thing, it's the right time and the right thing for us yeah. to do and charge on with life. Yeah. Sounds like a good answer, but okay. So now, so you know how I lie. I got one more question. Okay. Who's, um, <laughs> who's whose family did you call first? Uh, so we called my parents, uh, my mom, and then she didn't answer her phone. So then I called my grandparents. So my grandparents were the first official family members that were notified. Um, and then we called Earl's parents and then I think my mom, like, you know, called me back a few hours later or something yeah. like that. So the funny thing was is that Emily called her mom and it went to, it was getting ready to go to voicemail and she's like, well, now what do I do? And I'm like, well, do you normally hang up or leave a message? She's <laughs> <laughs> like, just do what you normally do. Don't like, right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the worst when you want, you got big news like that and they, nobody answers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I knew that my mom would call me back. So kind of yeah. all worked. 
Yeah. But the other well, thing that's is, cool. the weekend that we did get engaged here in St. Louis, we did have pretty much Minnesota winter, winter mm-hmm. January weather because we got we had gotten about a foot of snow on Friday, and so pretty much everything got shut down Friday night and Saturday afternoon. We went out for a nice trail hike in the snow, and that's when uh, I proposed. So good stuff. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Okay. I lied again. So, <laughs> so did you, I'm, I'm – okay. So I'm the kind of guy that will be watching a movie. When somebody proposes, the room gets a little dusty, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. So did you actually, like, stop and and pull out a ring and, and like, formally ask? So I didn't have a ring at the time. Okay. But it's been it's been something that you know it's kind of like we talked about it and you know those kind of things and and uh, so we were out on a trail run on the where's a hike was on uh, the Lewis and Clark Trail that borders along the Missouri River mm-hmm. and they have some really cool like outlooks there and so yeah I did get down on one knee and asked Miss Emily we stopped our Garmin we stopped our Garmin. <laughs> Perfect. I thought taking like a like quick snack break or something like that. Yeah. Like, and, and Tess was with, and I thought that that was very important that she was along. Our dog. Yes, with the golden retriever. And um, I did get down on one knee in the snow and asked Miss Emily to marry me. Sweet. Did so. she, did did she say yes right away? Yep. Yep. Cool. All right. No brainer. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I I hear you. I, so I just I just I don't I think I've told you guys this, but I just have to bring this up. So when I asked Paulette to marry me, she was racing doing a time trial, and I painted it on the road. Ooh. <laughs> so did she stop? No, because I painted it, and then right after that, I said, uh, "Go, you, you're in a race." <laughs> so you're waiting for her at the finish line yeah so i had come up with this excuse why i didn't because it was a local race and that's actually when i was racing with a pro license so but they'd let me come be part of it so i came mm-hmm. up with some excuse why i didn't want to want to race so i was waiting at the finish line so oh gotcha so, yeah well, sneak- all right, so let's talk. Let's go to the happy news now. Great. Tell me about trying to get out of St. Louis to go to New Zealand. Oh my gosh, it was uh, <laughs> probably one of the more stressful hours of my life. To be honest, I was stressed reading about it. <laughs> it, was, it was about three hours, but yeah. Um, so we, I guess the 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 setup to the story about trying to fly from St. Louis to Christchurch. Um, you know, we've flown with our bikes before, obviously, and yeah. uh, but for for God's own, we had rebuilt our ARWS bike boxes to be full size. Normally, we mm-hmm. use like a, kind of a smaller box that you can ship, and then once you get to the race, it expands out to regulation size, if you will. Um, but for this. You know, this year we're like, okay, we're going to build these new ones and they're, you know, 
full size so that we don't have to screw around with trying to retrofit our bike boxes when we get there and um, such and such. So we, you know, Earl put a lot of time into building these bike boxes and they were just gorgeous. So we show up at the airport with, we had two boxes and three duffels and you could just, I just kind of got some bad juju. Like when we were rolling this whole load up to the United counter, um, like you can just tell when the agents start like giving you the evil eye kind of, and, yeah. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd booked our ticket direct through air New Zealand and air New Zealand uses United for their yeah. American domestic flight. Um, so we got to the ticket counter and the agent was like, you know, looking at our boxes and she's like, I don't think those are going to fit on our plane. And we're like, what? Like we're, I mean, there's, there's, we know that they're oversized. Like we're not trying to hide the yeah. fact that these are bicycles. Like we know yeah. they're oversized. I'd actually called Air New Zealand the day before to confirm that like oversized bicycles were accepted just mm-hmm. to be parent because i was a little paranoid and they're like oh yeah it's fine so then showed up at the airport and united's like nope they're not going to fit um the only planes that we have leaving st louis are regional jets and those bike boxes will not fit on regional jets yeah so um, they literally physically won't fit well that's what they said i mean i still yeah. have i wow. still have leaving it it's like they didn't even try they didn't even really put a tape measure to it it's just like oh yeah i used to love planes 10 years ago and i just know it's not gonna fit so then they called so then they called they're like you just need to take it over to united cargo it's like we've already parked the car and we have to get all the way and we're like that's not gonna work but they called over there and then the cargo people said well we use the same plane you use to ship cargo so it's not gonna fit there (laughs) either so like all right so then, uh, so then, um, we, it was just like, kind of like, what do you do when yeah. you're trying to get your bike to New Zealand in the way that you planned, like, yeah. is not going to work. Um, so like, then I got on the phone to Air New Zealand to try to get some sort of alternate ticket booked. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't an option because they don't work with any other American domestic airlines. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like United or bust. Um, so then I was like trying to, you know, see, okay, can we drive to Chicago? Can we drive to Houston? Like these are terrible options, but I was just trying to calculate that. Yeah. Trying to call United to see if United could help us out, which they, of course they're like, well, you know, you didn't book, book our your ticket through us, so we're not going to do anything for you. And... Earl was on the phone with Bike Flight, who we ship when, you know, when we race in the U.S., we ship our bikes with Bike Flights all the time, and they're so helpful, and this, you're... Yeah, they were, Bike Flight, it was awesome, and they're super helpful. The only unfortunate, and the rep was amazing, and the only unfortunate thing is just that due to our timeline, they just weren't able to do it, and it's like... And it's kind of expensive to go international with them, but they were just so. It was the only supportive people we had for a while. She offered the bike flights rep happened to live in St. Louis, and she offered to come to the airport 
pick our bikes up and personally ship them. Like, wow. so we were just like, that was like literally the only ray of hope that we had. Like, well, at least this bike flights rep is being super nice to us. Um, but eventually we kind of, we found another person at United, like a different person than the original gate agent, um, who had started looking up alternate flights on different airlines. And, uh, she's like, Oh, well, why don't you just walk over there to the American counter? And I know they have big planes that leave here. So why don't you just see if there's anything that you can book there? And she wrote down some flight numbers for us. This was really nice. Um, so what we ended up doing is we bought two tickets from American airlines to get, uh, from St. Louis to LA to Auckland. Um, and we, like, we literally bought the tickets at the ticket counter and then we, and Air New Zealand, like to their credit, like they gave us a full refund of our original itinerary. So, um, it was super stressful, but it all ended up financially working out really like not a, not a bad deal. Yeah. Um, I was buying the tickets as Emily was on the phone trying to get the refund. So yeah, it was such divide and conquer at the airport because I was working basically all the agents, all the other counters at the airport while Emily was working on the phone. So but the, the nice thing is, is we still got out within four or five hours of when we were supposed to, and we still got to New Zealand and landed in Christchurch only about five hours later than we were supposed to. And all our gear showed up on both ends of the flight. So, I mean, yeah, it kind of was miserable and was stressful for about three or four hours. But as far as adventure travel goes, it was pretty much clockwork yeah. once we got that sorted out because all our gear showed up on both mm -hmm. ends of the flight. Flights were all on time, so it's just kind of like, got to have some sort of little challenge to keep you honest, I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it, it is better that it happens when you're in St. Louis and going than, um, you know, getting in, uh, you know, Patagonia and nothing shows up. Right, so. yeah. We, I mean, if worse had come to worse and we were not allowed to bring our bikes, yeah. like, New Zealand has lots of great bike shops. Like, yeah. you know, we weren't, yeah. and, you know, especially in Christchurch where we were staying, um, you know, we'd just throw some money at that problem and think about the pain of the bill later. Yeah. And we yeah. Just yeah. yeah. See, I would, uh, see, that's very interesting. Of course, you know, obviously I don't fly with a bike and, you know, Paulette might be going to do some racing again, but, like some of the flights, like if we take United out of Rapid, um, you got to, you know, jetway check your roll-on because they're so small regional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, but I, I've told her if she races or if she ever wants to take a bike, you know, bike flights is, you know, the only way to go as far as oh, I can tell. So so convenient and, um, you know, cost competitive and just nice people to work with. Yeah. yeah. In the U.S., it works great. Yeah, you got people coming and going, and they can drop it at the hotel or the bike shop, and they even pick it up at the hotel or bike shop when you leave, and it makes life pretty easy. Yeah, so we'll definitely put a 
put a link to them for Great. being the yep. nice guys in this story. They deserve it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, so nice podcast. <laughs> oh, Great. maybe yeah. we should talk. <laughs> Or should we talk about a race? Randy's relationship <laughs> advice. <laughs> so, so you guys had, how long did you spend in New Zealand before the race getting acclimated on the uh, beaches and yes. surfing and kayaking and being tourists? Uh, yeah. We had about six days. Close to six days. Five or six days. Yeah. Um, we rented a car, a little the cutest little Nissan coaster um, rented it in Christchurch and drove 2000 K just, just over 1200 miles for our American friends. Um, And Earl drove the whole time on the left side of the road and he did a great job. Um, So yeah, we just did a great kind of tour, like um, the Northern half of the South Island, big loop. So that that's a cool area. So Earl, did you ever get used to the blinkers? <laughs> no. Did she, did she send you that question? That's no, it. no, I did. So when I was there, the guy at the rental place says, "You'll be fine driving. Everything will be cool. You will never get used to the blinkers." And I oh, never that, did. That makes me feel so much better because it's like. On my truck, you know, it's like the windshield wiper, the blinkers, mm-hmm. all that stuff is on the left-hand side. Yep. But yep. on the rental car, the blinkers I are on. Always, I was always making the windshield wipers. I got to where I somewhat got it right sometimes, but, you know, a lot of times the windshield wiper would turn on yeah. instead of the blinker, and it's like, and that's when, it, and the times that it happened the most is when you least wanted it to happen. That it's just yes. like, oh man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like you you know you're going to make a turn a, a half a k down the road, and you have a little time to think about it. You might get it right, but if you need to change lanes right away, right, never, no chance. Yeah. Yep. Glad to know I was just the only one that had that problem. That needs, that makes no. you feel <laughs> what. And the guy at the rental place was a was a Kiwi, but he said he spent like three or four years in the U.S. And he said he never got used to it in the U.S. Right. Oh. So, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But Emily, how many times did you get in the driver's seat? None. When you left. Really? Oh no! Oh, did I? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, never, like you walk up to the car and get in the driver's get in well, on the I driver's never side. Got into the driver's seat. Um, okay. But I did approach that side of the vehicle multiple times. M- multiple times. <laughs> it was like, yeah. oh, wait, oh, wrong side, wrong side. Go yep. around. Yep, yep, And I would be like, oh, do you want to drive now? And she's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I did all the driving and she did all the navigating and it worked yeah. out perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And were the cars like the radio controls in Chinese? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think no. so. Yeah, the one I had, yeah, everything in the radio controls are all in in Chinese. Okay, in a foreign language. No, ours were not. Mm-mm. Yeah, this is not. Yeah, we probably okay. have as a car as you did. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Well, that was good. All right. Tell me about the race. <laughs> so who, uh, did, who did you who did you race with? Yeah, let's talk about our teammates. Um, so we got to race with as part of Checkpoint Zero um, with Peter Yali from Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. and Paul Humphreys from Christchurch. Um, and Earl had raced with them previously in God's Own Chapter. Three Kaikoura. It was the one in Kaikoura. I think that was. I guess it was, I think it was three. I don't. I guess I don't remember the number. But yeah, yeah it was the God Zone in Kaikoura. I had the opportunity to race with Paul and Peter and Michelle Hobson as part of Checks Point Zero back in uh, 2014 and had an amazing experience then. And um, Paul reached out to us. Last summer, and said, "Hey, it's going to be in my neighborhood." And so I was like, "Emily, we should really consider this." So mm-hmm. we both started negotiating with our managers at work to try to, you know, how do you yeah. take two and a half weeks off or almost three weeks off? I guess I'd only been in my job for about six months before I was asking for this much time off. So it's not like, whoa. But, and uh, once we got uh, permission from our employers, it was like, yep, we're in. Mm-hmm. So, and they're great guys, too. I mean, they're just super, just great people to race with. And, you know, Paul is living in Christchurch, so it just made it that much easier to, we had a place to stay before and after the race when we weren't traveling and it's like as soon as we landed he met us at the airport with all of our stuff in his truck we took it to his house put our bikes together to make sure they worked good went for a quick ride and then spent the evening with his family and then we just took off the next morning to go travel and we could just leave our stuff at his house in the garage and so just you know logistically it doesn't get any easier this is like the whole the whole pre-race time was just like so smooth and enjoyable and I mean yeah it's just it's probably the most enjoyable pre-race lead up I've ever had like no stress yeah yeah we even got <laughs> once you got on the airplane no stress right well yeah yeah we yeah it was like um, the day before the race we. Uh, we're staying in Akaroa with some of um, Paul and Robin's friends. Um, so we they let us stay at their house, which is just this beautiful little hillside house overlooking the Akaroa Harbor. And you know we didn't have to turn our bins in till like between four and eight or something, and they were kind of already done. And so we're just like doing the kinds of things that you do before the race when you have extra time, which is like mm. never. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was just kind of one of those like, all right, why, why was this ever so complicated? It's just yeah. so straightforward. And there's like their house overlooked the bay, basically where we started the coast steering section. It was just like, we could see, we didn't know that that's where it was going to be, but you know, it was kind of like, okay, that that's, that's it. And uh, it was just a gorgeous day. They had a nice green space in their backyard that we could 
you know, put all our boxes and totes out and they made us lunch, they made us dinner, they helped us make, you know, provided space for us to make sandwiches and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. They were. So thank you to Simon and Rachel in Akaroa (laughs) and the whole Humphrey family. Yeah. So that kind of, um, makes lie to the uh, fact that New Zealand is such an unfriendly country and nobody likes you and they're a bunch of jerks. I'm saying oh. that sarcastically. <laughs> I guess I've never oh, heard yeah. that before. <laughs> I've never been to a friendlier place in my life. Uh-huh. I know. That's I, it, it's one of those. Put in Duluth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is kind of one of those places where it's just like, well, I don't know. Cause I think here in Rapid is, there's a lot of nice people, but you know, it's like, Everybody's so nice, you know. The the checkers at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. And it, you 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 start to realize that it's not an act that they just all are really nice people. I'm sure there's some jerks. Obviously, we just don't have to deal with them. Right. Yeah. yeah. So when you um, finally got maps and looked at the the race, was was there a particular was there a crux section that stuck out? right away um well i guess we, so we before the race um started we got the map for uh the day one the like mm-hmm. multi-sport day and then we didn't get the rest of the maps until we got to the first ta okay. um ta1 as it were i also know a great wow. podcast by the name <laughs> <laughs> i have to uh, have to remember that <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> Um, so, so explain that first day because it's kind of how it all worked out. We got the, um, I'm I'm actually looking at them right now. So each team got two sets of maps and I don't know. I know, but I'm just looking at the whole, I've got the set of maps out here for reference. (laughs) Um, so we started um, in Akaro Harbor and did a co-steering section, um, kind of around one of the larger peninsulas in the harbor, and then um, ran into the checkpoint, which was actually a TA, and uh, got on our bike and rode kind of up and over the um, hills of the Banks Peninsula into um Christchurch, and then we paddled our pack rafts across another harbor, the Littleton Harbor, um, and then then we were on foot for a couple checkpoints um, up into the Christchurch Adventure Park. So it was kind of like it was basically a eight hour, eight to twelve hour adventure race to start a six day adventure race. Yeah. So then um, they. Dark zoned you then? Yeah, so After. then we rolled the adventure, the Christchurch Adventure Park. And um, so the way it worked, there was no time credits for finishing the multi sport day one quickly, but you did get the advantage of having your maps earlier um, okay. and then, you know, earlier than the slower teams. And then um, you also kind of got like some real estate advantages, like you could pick where you wanted to sleep that night and you got your food faster if you wanted to order it or make it or, you know, so it was, yeah. they had a full like 
restaurant. Like we had French fries and hamburgers and Thai curry. Yeah, it's it's kind of like it was kind of like uh like a ski ski you know like at a ski lodge where you know at a ski hill but you know just kind of a local ski hill but you know it has a cafe a cafe where you could go to the counter and order food and then they'd bring it out to you and and they had desserts and snacks and uh, so you know when you got there you had to. Uh, there's a wait from the time you got there. There was like a 45 minute or an hour wait before that you would get your maps. 30 minutes. 30 minutes, whatever it was. And then once that time elapsed, which worked out fine because then you could like change and set up your sleeping space, and then you could just go into this lodge. And we were fortunate enough to get a nice table for four, and we could order food and do our maps and. Uh, and then, then go to bed. Then we, so, yeah, and then we got, like, probably three hours of sleep, and then we got up at, like, one thirty in the morning to board a bus at 2. two and then we had, like, a three-hour bus ride, and then the race restarted, like, at 5 or 6 o'clock the next morning. But everybody is basically on the clock from when we started the prologue. Okay. So, no, it wasn't really a dark zone. You were just all you, – if you were fast, you got a little more rest. Yeah, right. it just re-neutralized yeah. everybody again, and then it was a mass start once we got to the race restart. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll we'll get to the race restart, but I have one question. They have beets on their hamburgers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, did they? <laughs> yeah, did I, they? I, um, not at this. Not at this. Okay. Uh, but I now that you mention it, I do recall seeing. I never had one on them. I don't know that I really had yeah. many hamburgers so. there, but I I do recall seeing hamburgers with beets on them then. Yeah, and they're, and they're more like beets with a little hamburger on them. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little disappointing when you've grown up around here with like real hamburgers. But well, we went. Where is the place that we got burgers after the race? I'll I'll look it up while we're talking. It was like okay. it's a New Zealand burger chain, and it was like so yummy. Okay, they yeah, were legit well, burgers. Okay, yeah, it's good to know. And that's probably well, you know, I'd be out like in, we're in the middle of not nowhere, but it's you know like a little pub or something. So that's probably like a real New Zealand hamburger. Burger fuel. Yeah. That's what it's called. Super good. Yeah, but the chips are good wherever you go. Yes, agreed. <laughs> so, so what was then the first leg after the prologue? Uh, so after the prologue um, and the bus ride, we got started on a, um, a trekking and pack rafting leg. Um, so that was we had the restart at the Mount White Bridge, um, and. The intent was to um, basically start on foot. It's a trekking section over to the Poulter River, put it on the Poulter, um, paddle down to where it joins up with another river, the Waimakariri, um, and then you take that down to another river, the Broken River, and then um, that's the Broken River. You have to travel upstream, so that's when you have to put your pack raft away and um, trek 
upstream to the next TA. Um, so it was a pretty, um, just like, I guess, it was a tough section for us. We had some nav issues on the first checkpoint, which is just like so hard. It was actually, it was really probably either the first or second hardest checkpoint of the whole race navigationally. Um, so we had some troubles and um, that set us back a couple hours. So we actually missed, barely missed a paddling cutoff before, right before the gorge on the Waimakariri. So we couldn't um, paddle it. So I guess the long story short is we carried our pack rafts around for like 20 hours and paddled them for two. <laughs> uh, so it's a pretty poor ratio. Yeah. Um, but we were, but even though we were dark zones um, on the paddle, we could still, we had to do an extra trek to a waypoint, but we were still able to get we all We were just points. cut off. We weren't dark zones. Well, but. right. But when we missed that cutoff, we still were able to collect all the checkpoints. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So you could, you could move but you couldn't be on the water. Right. right. There's just like an alternate trek around the gorge section. Um, okay. So it's just more time on our feet and carrying our yeah. stuff. Yeah. So a sucky option, but an option. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Better than no option. Yeah. So where are you guys kind of in relation to the field? Mid-pack-ish at that time uh or? last at this point <laughs> like i think we we're maybe not dead last but uh like the last there three teams maybe yeah yeah i mean um we were pretty we, we we're feeling pretty alone we cut yeah i mean we just kind of got towards the tail end of people that were you know close to the full whole course you're getting close to being short course um pretty early on and it's just we had an out we had a you know we kind of struggled on that one checkpoint for a couple hours and you know uh, a couple hours, it just on yeah. one of those things that happens and yeah you know, all you can do is keep moving and yeah. uh, you know it's just but it just ended up to be a long you know, and you're kind of looking at a um, foot section, pack raft, and foot, and then all of a sudden it was 80 plus percent on foot carrying your pack raft, your paddles, your PFDs, and your helmet. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's part of racing, but it's just kind of like, eh. yeah. It it makes it harder to make up make up that time when you got mm -hmm. to carry all that stuff. Yeah. Yep. So, so then. Um, What's next after that? So, um, we so had, you do your 80-20. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, I, I mean, I really I remember this when we finally had made it back to the point where we rejoined the, you know, the regular course. Mm -hmm. um, we got a, you know, we hit checkpoint, checkpoint eight at a little hut. Um, and then we had to travel upstream on the Broken River. And I, re I just remember, you know, I was kind of asking P Paul and Peter, like, okay, like, what's next? Um, and Paul is just, like, straight face, 800 river crossings. <laughs> and 
like that's what we did um and that we, were, we hit that checkpoint eight like right at dusk um and so we just went upstream on this river for like 20k about um and just kept you know whenever it got cliffy or gorgy on one side of the river we'd cross over to the other and just kind of wayfinding all the way up the river um a little cold but none of the crossings were really that you know we had a couple where we all linked up um but overall they were not terrible um mm-hmm. it was just you know the rocks are in your shoes constantly and it's kind of cold and um just get through it i think we actually saw some freshwater eels on that section um in the river and like some of the like calmer little pools. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then we got to checkpoint nine and 10 at cave stream, which was super neat. Um, just like a really interesting water filled, uh, cave. I guess I can't remember if it's limestone or sandstone, but do you remember? I think it was limestone. It was a 45 minute caving section. And it was cool because you, uh, you didn't have to get down on your hands and knees. You could actually walk through this thing. You had to kind uh-huh. of sliver through, sliver through some cracks. But and I mean, it was a waterfall coming through this whole thing, and it was just, it was pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Even after being on your feet all day, it was, uh, it was a little like cold. There was a couple crossings where we crossed in there where it was pretty much close to waist deep, and then uh, you know, climbing out got kind of interesting. But there was a rope. There's a rope, and then uh, they also had some... Uh, like a little Via Ferrata kind of set up. Via Ferrata to kind of climb out of it, but it was really cool. The water, I mean, just the water, I was just amazed the entire race. The water was so clear, and, like, we never treated water a single time on the course, and that just blew my mind. It's just wow. it's so neat. Yeah, well, let's face it, it makes it easier. You don't have to treat, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Just dip and it go. It tastes better. It, it tastes <laughs> amazing. Like we really were never in on any leg where it's like, oh, we might run out of water. We never had that issue. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, so after the caving section, then we um, trekked over to TA, and we were kind of a little like run down, so we had a quick sleep it was like right before sunrise so we were just kind of thinking like okay we'll have a quick sleep wake up with the sun and then get on our bikes for um you know every race has the big bike and the big track so we had the big bike coming up um so we just got to do that starting the next day so what was the was the biking like two track roads single track what you know what what were you dealing with all day (laughs) Yeah, it was everything. Um, the first, I guess, let's see, the first, like, 50, 60K was mostly roads, and we had an amazing tailwind, like, a huge tailwind. It was just, like, a total, um, like, trip, um, which was good because I woke up that morning, and my legs just felt so awful. Like, my whole body just felt awful. Um, so the first couple K of the big bike for me was just like, I was like, I might have to get towed this whole thing. Um, but eventually things came around and then we had this glorious tailwind and 
Um, we were pedaling along, and I don't know when it was that Peter kind of told us, like, you know, eventually we have to do a 180 and go into this wind. So <laughs> that was a little... I don't, I don't want to think about that right now. Let's just go fast. No. <laughs> um, so then we crossed the river and did a 180, and we went um, up the other side of the river. Um, so that was, like, kind of tough, but it was still mostly road at that point um and then we kind of transitioned into a um like a jeep road or a double track um then we started going up 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 we went up. up for a long ways we saw a herd of merino rams um on our climb up there that was pretty entertaining they're pretty well endowed yeah <laughs> <laughs> Says, says the man who grew up in Minnesota in farm country. Uh-huh. I think that's the yeah. polite way of saying it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Not sure how they walk sometimes. But, yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, we climbed up um, kind of some some hills. And we actually, like, it kind of the two track sort of turned into single track a little bit. Um, it was like a hiking trail that we were biking on. Um and then eventually that went away. So then we were just biking on the in a river in another riverbank or river, um, yeah, riverbank. And so it was mostly like kind of gravelly. And there are some other like kind of faded two track or it was it was kind of one of those sections where you look at it on the map and you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be terrible. We're biking. There's no trail. It's out of you know in a river. And it turned out to be one of my favorite sections um, just because it was, like, fun and interesting and a little bit technical, but not, like, scary. Um, yeah. It was really enjoyable. Um, so, yeah, we had a great time on that little bit. And then um, then we had to hike a bike out of that river valley, like, up into another trail system. And... Uh, I guess it's like, I'm still like learning about God's own history, but this is, you know, a signature yeah. of the race. I guess the two guys, I've only done two God zones, but I don't think there's a God zone that exists if they don't have a monster hike a bike to transition you out of one region into another. Um, it's just kind of how you need to go. And so yeah. basically we hiked up out of this river valley and got up on the high plains and like well, I, I gotta tell a story about going hike biking up the hill like it was super steep and i was kind of uncomfortable and peter was like super comfortable like just trotted right up the hill with his bike and then he came back down as to check on his teammates and he's like why don't i i'll just carry your bike up for you um and i was like I was uncomfortable, but I really didn't want him to carry my bike. And he's like, well, why do you, why can't I just carry it for you? And he's like, I just, I literally thought I was putting him in like moral peril (laughs) by asking him to carry my bike. And he's like, Emily, this is fine. Like just hand it over. And, um, so yeah, he helped me out of time up that hill. And, um, then we got to the top and got to ride like, Probably some of the, it's the steepest stuff I've ever rode. 
It was ridiculous. It was so steep going down. It's like, I don't know what kind of cars and trucks actually go up that other than like ATVs and that. But I mean, it was everything you could do to keep the weight back and the butt of your bike not coming over. Like if anyone's following along on the map, like the super steep stuff that we're talking about is the Alford Range. Like that, the trail's kind of in there before we popped out onto the flats. Like that's just, yeah, that's where we were. And we got to do it at night. Yep. And we got to see see a baby hedgehog. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. First, first wild hedgehog sighting for me. Yeah. Well, that sounds like very cute. Did you go, ah? It did, and I took a video of it. It was just, it was really cute. <laughs> I think your headlamp scared it to death, though. Yeah, we, I would have, I would have sat there and watched it all night, but then it was like, obviously being shined on by a, you know, a bike light yeah. is like not the most enjoyable thing, so. Yeah, but you had to move on. So how long was that bike? Uh... Let's see. I, I, better question is how long did it take you? We uh, it was about a hundred miles, I think. Okay, hundred and eighty k. Yeah, hundred and sixty yeah. or hundred eighty k. We pretty much started like at seven or eight o'clock in the morning. Yep. And we finished like oh, midnight. Yeah, no, we finished because um, we got to the next TA. We knew there was a cutoff to stay on the full course. Um, you had to leave there by three a.m. And we got in at 2 a.m., and so we knew we had time to um, to stay on the full course, mm-hmm. but we just we didn't. Were, we were not in the right frame of mind to even – we got – people. everybody's kind of like falling asleep on the last – we did really good until about the last 10K of that bike leg, and then the wheels kind of came off the bus. And we were riding like less than 10K an hour. And it was like, oh, my God, we're never going to get there. Mm-hmm. So we eventually got there. And it was kind of like, all we can do is just put the tent up and everybody get in a sleeping bag. And we'll we'll accept the short course in the we'll morning. We'll accept yeah. the short course in the morning because we, we would have just been a mess. Well, yeah. I shouldn't say that. I mean, we could have done it, but it would have not probably been optimal. And then... Going out into the next section, you know. Uh, it was the big trek, like the, right after that. It was the that. big trek, and we turned the short course big trek into a 30-hour trek. Yeah. And that was the short course. <laughs> that was enough. So, yeah. yeah. The sand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a 30-hour trek, what kind of terrain? What I mean, are you on any trails? Is it all bushwhacking? It was mind-blowing terrain. (laughs) It's everything. So Everything. You know, we started out, we left the TA, and we're walking through, I don't know what you call it, you know, like an old prairie riverbed or something that it's kind of, I mean, it's not really wet, but it has that boggy, clumpy, tussock, tussock, you know, and then it's flat, and then you have the, like, you know, the little ridges. It's, it's it's like the Badlands that you have there, only it's got the tussocks and the, you know, it's just, like, not easy to navigate through, but not super hard either, but it's just not fast moving. So we had, you know, 
good chunk of that with one or two points and that stuff. And then it broke out into like a, you know, just a basic two track that you could travel on really quick. And then, you know, you covered some decent miles that way. And, and the, it, just the full course, like the full course stayed off trail. Um, well, they were on a, one of the trails for a little bit, but then they were off trail and up and over one range. But we were on the short course, which was a little bit, you know, more trail focused just to get us from point A to point B. Right. Yeah. Then we went up into the mountains. Yeah. And so we, we kind of made it around to Lake Heron, um, which had a campsite. And that was kind of like, we decided to have a quick sit down and um, like kind of gather ourselves before we started on the second half of that track. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looked like there was some weather that was coming in. So it was just like kind of, I don't know, we just took a minute to like make sure all of our wet, you know, our waterproof stuff is at the top of our pack if we needed it and um, kind of reorganize stuff and through, try to get all the trash out that we could. And um, there was some race staff there and they were in the middle of, you know, trying to make sure that teams were getting where they needed to um, because a bunch of teams had left ahead of us had stayed on the full course. They weren't at Lake Heron yet. Um, so they were, the race staff was setting up a tent to catch those teams and they had their own, a second version of the short course. To, yeah, we didn't learn this. We didn't, we didn't learn this till after the race had finished, but, um, there were teams that started out on the full trek, but they ended up getting short coursed and not doing the half that we did. So, you know, it's just, it was a big trek. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah. Um, and so they, the race staff was kind of asking us about, you know, what our route choices were going to be and just checking in. And they kind of like advised or didn't advise, or maybe they just let it slip like, well, you know, some of the leading teams, they went this other way. So you might just want to think about that. Yeah. Um, so they were just pretty, you know, they just want their teams to, like, get around and be as self-sufficient as possible. So they were just trying to give us options that maybe we hadn't seen right off the bat. Um, yeah. And so we ended up taking, adapting our route to kind of take advantage of some of those options. So we left Lake Heron and um, just kind of started going up and um, – a lot of teams took a pretty, I guess, I mean, I don't really know. I haven't studied the tracker tracks that much, but between um, checkpoint 18 and 19, a lot of teams went just like kind of a um, westerly route, I guess, um, but we went east. So we kind of followed uh, a little riverbed and then found a certain um, confluence and then took another stream kind of up to get to checkpoint 19. Um, and that that part of the trek just, like, that's the part that just blew my mind. And I don't know what it was because it's, like, it's not like I haven't done long treks before, but there's just something about, like, the train and how we were getting around. And we got passed by a couple teams that were just, like, 
moving three times as fast as we were. And it's just, I don't know, it was just really impressive to see how fast um, the Kiwi teams were going on that on that section. Um, and they weren't even the lead team. Like, <laughs> it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know, they just, they said, oh, there's those Americans. Let's go fast for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope so. I hope they were showing up. Uh, I think that's just, I mean, those kids grow up doing this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this it's, is their backyard. I mean, one of the teams that we were with, their combined age of all four of them was, what, 81 years old? Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're just, yeah, I mean, it was yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. They're super chatty and just really They fun. were just the cutest. We called them the kids. And they were like, <laughs> a couple of them were on toe together, and they were all just chit-chatting like they were walking down the sidewalk to go get ice cream like yeah this is so walking up the side of a waterfall uh-huh yeah <laughs> crazy yeah yeah well they're just all nuts they're in a what good in a, wonderful, in a good I'm way yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so then after we well on the way to 19 we kind of popped out on this high ridge um like about 2,000 meters and I was kind of thinking, I think both Earl and I were thinking like, okay, we're going to pop up high, punch a checkpoint and like drop down. And that's going to be the TA. Like we weren't really looking at the maps that much. And um, so we kind of finally got up on this ridge and it's dark and windy and foggy and wet. Uh, and we had to like boulder around these chunks of rock, which, you know, it's just like a little. We were basically on the top of a mountain peak and it was just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, we kind of asked Peter, like, okay, like, how, you know, are we up here for a little bit and then we're going to drop back down or what? And he's like, no, we're up here for about 10K. And, like, it's just, like, it's just unfathomable to me just, you know, to have 10K of ridgeline, you know, that just doesn't happen in Missouri. Um, So, (laughs) we were up there. (laughs) So, did it, were you up there, like? Did it get light? Did you get a view? Um, yes. The sun did come up um, like it does every day. And Usually. Yep. Um, it was pretty, like, foggy and misty. Um, but the cool part, you know, kind of as the, as the sun was coming up, um, we were above the fog and mist line. We were above the clouds. And oh, we could sweet. see across to the next mountain range and there's glaciers on that range so it was it was it was a spectacular, spectacular. when yeah. the sun came up it was spectacular yeah and it was just it was it'd be cool to do it again just because now you kind of know mm-hmm. yeah. but yeah. uh yep yeah it was it was really just yeah unique morning um and so, you know, instead of like running up there and punching a checkpoint and then getting to go back down, we were up there for a couple bunch of K. And um, then when we were not quite approaching the high point, but about to start to go down and I was really having some like foot problems, um, just like, kind of, I guess, ten, like Achilles and the front tendon between your foot and your shin. It was just like, Kind of having a little come apart, so our, our travel speed slowed down a whole bunch, which is like a little bit 
well, not a little bit, a lot demoralizing. Um, so that was, yeah, probably the lowest part of the race. So like we were up the highest and probably the lowest part of the race for me up there. Yeah. So is it just like, you know, fact you've been on your feet for like a hundred hours, just wearing them out a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, just, I mean, it's stuff that I haven't experienced before in races. Um, you know, you know, normally everyone has their like little issues that kind of tend to pop up every time, but this, this one was a new one for me. So I just think it was like, um, kind of extended ups and extended downs that I'm not super used to. And, um, it was, it was really hard, but kind of how we solved it is took a bunch of ibuprofen and just like made it happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, I did not want to your do only that. choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I really didn't, I don't like taking drugs. And so I really had to be convinced and I wasn't happy about it, but it was definitely the right choice to get the team moving. Yeah. Um, so lesson learned. Yeah. Well, that's a great thing about not being a drug taker. When you take them, they really work. Yeah. I didn't feel these ones work at all, <laughs> to be <No>. honest. But <laughs> I took them. <laughs> yeah. So, so did you get a little break off your feet then after the trek? Um, yeah, we got a bus ride. No, that's that's even better. <laughs> yeah, we missed the cutoff to start pack rafting on the Rakaia. Um, so we got put in a bus with another team and bust down to the next TA. Um, but the next TA was a paddling one, so we still got to be off our feet um, following that, which was really nice. So was that pack raft or kayak then? Uh, we got to paddle the the barracudas, the kayaks. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was really looking forward to that because I just to me they're like a signature God's own thing. Is you just get to paddle these really nice kayaks. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of most of the races in the U.S. are canoes, so it's just like a new thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, you, we got in those boats and uh, like right away we we're in the gorge and it was a little, little splashy. Um, I thought it was really fun and Earl didn't think it was very fun. <laughs> well, it, it, so Peter and I were in the boat and I really, I mean, I'd really never, I paddled a barracuda once, but this was the first time of me like actually steering it. You steer from the, I mean, the person that does the steering actually sits in the front. Um, which is fine, but it just took me a little bit to get used to it. And, yeah. you know, if you're, if you hop in a boat and you really, I didn't even got it really set up yet, which was shame on me, but first hundred meters and all of a sudden you're in the gorge, it's kind of like, well, here well, we go. Welcome to New Zealand. <laughs> here we go. Yep. So there's, we made there's... it through that section and didn't tip over or had a couple close calls, but. And then once we got through that, basically, we just were in a braided river. And we paddled for a couple hours, and then we, it was uh, dark zone. So then we got a we got a solid eight hours plus of sleep that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was probably Which the best always... sleep for eight. It was, yeah. We, 
We were on a gravel bar all by ourselves. A sandbar, even. Sandbar, and had a nice, we had a nice four-person tent and sleeping bags and... Uh, Air mattresses. Oh. Didn't we? Yeah, we even had sleeping pads. That's <laughs> because, yeah. like, we had, we had the room to carry them in the boats and... And then uh, we ate, like, pigs and slept. Mm-hmm. And the tent it's smelled amazing day. all night. Uh, not really yeah it's not a bad way to spend a night in new zealand no it was it was a good night but then so then was a didn't then paddle to the finish uh no we had a little bit we paddled the rakaya um pretty much to the ocean and um then we had another tea and we got on our bikes for uh, like a 50-mile ride or so um, over to the Nothing. final day. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was pretty – It was this was a cool ride because um, it was kind of some flat roads, um, just like kind of some rural paved roads. And um, I don't know – oh, yeah, we were, we were chasing a cutoff. We kind of – we thought we might have a chance to finish, finish that night. Um, so we just really – rode hard um yeah. get a really great bike ride like really well organized pace line and um caught a bunch of team not a bunch like two we caught two teams um and then we hooked up with a full course team and they were kind of riding slow and we pulled up to them and we're like hey do you want to work together um we could have an eight person pace line super short pulls like we're really motivated and you know we can just at least make your ride a little bit easier and more entertaining. Um, so yeah, we joined up with them and we're on this rail to trails trail. Um, that was also really different from, you know, Missouri has a 300 mile Katie trail, which is a rail to trail, which is flat. It's wide. It's this little pea gravel stuff. Um, not a lot of turns. And then the New Zealand rail trail was like, pretty narrow lots of turns like pretty fun to ride in an eight-person pace line um it was a glorified cow pass yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was really exciting was like super fun. i loved it and it was great to work with another team too and um so we uh, made it to the uh, like birdlings flat we had a big, a big hill climb to get up up and down into the next ta um, and they just like climbed away from us. It was, they did a great job. Um, cause they were trying to, to make the cutoff as well. Yeah, um, yeah. but in the end, neither of us made it. So then we were forced to camp overnight within sight of the finish line. Um, <laughs> with just a pack rat, like a couple hour pack rack in between us and the finish line. Yeah. It was like, that kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we just didn't really see the reason for it. Like, it didn't seem like there was a safety reason. Uh, so, and it, you know, it's just like, it's, it's PA camping. So it was loud. Um, there's yeah. a light, lights on all night. People lights, coming in. generators, cars, people coming in. Children screaming. Um, yeah. so we didn't really sleep. And then, uh, so then the next morning we, kind of all of the teams got released 
more or less in a mass start, and we just had a final couple hour um, pack ref into the finish. Um, and then the irony of it, like the last hour of the race, we had this huge southerly system come in, and so we were paddling into a headwind with like for a pack raft, rather large waves coming at us. Uh, so that was just like kind of tough to finish out um, the whole the whole race, but yeah. made it. Oops. Yeah, but so you know, Earl, you've been there, but Emily, what did did it meet your expectations or what you were thinking? Uh, I think it was like? like I think it was twice as hard as I thought. To be honest, oh. like twice as difficult. <laughs> um. Like, I knew it was going to be hard. Yeah. And I, like, I feel like we trained decently. Like, it would have been better, obviously, if it was summer for us to get ready. Yeah. But um, we just, like, for the for what the time that we had, I feel like we trained pretty good. Um, yeah. But, like, literally, we, like, just me personally, it was probably the most difficult physical race that I've done. Um. It was just, yeah, it was just tough. Um, so that's. But I mean, yeah, but you should be good with that. I mean, it's 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 a hard race. You traveled a long ways. I mean, it mm-hmm. should be hard. Make it worthwhile. Right. Yep. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's really motivating for me now. It's like, man, like I totally, one hundred percent, got my butt kicked. Like, that doesn't happen for me personally. Yeah very often um so like just makes me motivated to like preparing the better and i mean maybe we won't be able to go back next year but definitely like kind of want to have a a more respectable outing at a later date well it's yeah it's not until november of 2020 so it's yeah (laughs) maybe maybe, you know it is yeah it's kind of an interesting choice um like a little bit easier for northern hemisphere Teams, but yeah. I mean, they're just—they're so strong. Like they're going to just crush it no matter what. So yeah, yeah, there is, there is that part. So, so I mean, you guys used up all your your brownie points at work, but are you going to be able to do anything else this year other than get married? That's a pretty big thing, Randy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know it's a big thing, but <laughs> it's only like a life milestone. So yeah, I know, but we're hoping to we're going to do some local events. We've got a yeah. couple of gravel rides, like two or three gravel rides coming up at the end of this month in early May, and then we're looking at you know some twenty-four hour, like twelve-hour and twenty-four hour adventure races here locally. Something where you know you can leave Friday after work and get home Sunday night. Um, and then we still hope to take a few days off before the week of the wedding to, you know, have a few days there. Yeah. And then uh, start planning our vacation days for 2020. Great. There, some of them are already allocated. <laughs> I know, isn't it? It's tough, isn't it? You have to, like, oh, make all these decisions on what you really want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why you're self-employed. Yes, it is. I, you know, that would be really hard to go to work for somebody again. So I don't think I will. 
Mm-hmm. Just keep this up for a few more years, and then I can like change it over to like work one week and travel three. Yeah, out of a month. Yeah, so. it's like a wise move. I yeah, got so. <laughs> Well, no, it's kind of like, well, you know, I really had wasn't going to go anywhere till May. Well, end of May, but I get to go to Georgia now for Blue Ridge, so that's kind of fun. Oh yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, so. Um, and say hi to Peter if he's there. That would be fun, yeah. See, mm-hmm. he shows up. Should be. It's like in his backyard. Great, yeah. Yeah, so. I got to say, um, I did, speaking of, like, Randy-related items, I did buy a GoPro for God Zone. Um, I got one of the little, like, sessions, which doesn't, yeah. it only has two buttons on it. Yep. And that was awesome, because then it was, like, you know, take your photo or take your video and you're not distracted by any screens or like replays or anything. And yep. uh, get to look at all that after the race. So, yeah, that's cool. The only thing so, I will say, like the new ones, like the six and the sevens have the voice mm-hmm. commands. Oh, so, yeah. no, this so one that is manual. Yeah. It is kind of nice. Like if you have it mounted someplace, you can just, you, you literally say GoPro record. So, um, but yeah, well, that's cool. I'm glad, you know, I wish more people would do that, you know, just take some video and put out cause it's fun to see Great. really what you guys were doing. What it's really like. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, cool. Well, you guys have been, I've heard this before. Very, uh, very nice spending this time with you. So I just have one more, one more, not a question, but it's, it's I want to, I want to start this. So I don't know who my next guest is, but give me a question to ask my next guest. Oh, <laughs> um, well, I always like hearing about people's unique race food, either unique race food or favorite race food okay. ideas, what they like to eat. That so should that, be a good one. Mm-hmm. So. I'm stealing this from one of the podcasts I listen to. They are, but they know who their next guest is, so they ask their guest a question about the next one because they're all race car drivers, so they all know each other. But oh yeah, all right. So it will be race food. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, give uh, Tess a pet for me. And yep, we will. To the whole thing. She's been coaching yep. us. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to go find. I've got. The little bird running around on the floor, which she never does. So I don't know what that's all about. So, but, excitement. Cool. And maybe I get to see you in no- December. Yeah, that's the plan. All right. We haven't uh, done any <laughs> race prep yeah, you, stuff. Yet. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> haven't. Oh. So. <laughs> so, all right. Sounds cool. Thanks, guys, and congratulations. Yep. Thank Thank you, Randy. Nice to talk to you. Thank you, Randy. Okay. And just FYI, I think this will be up tomorrow. Whoa. Amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, with, with Paulette out of town, I can sit here for another half hour and put it together. So. All right. Yeah. So. Good to go. All right. Thanks for the chat. Yep. Awesome. Thanks, Randy. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.
Wait for me, hold me like you'll never 